concept, if we learn CPR, the concept is, right, that, that if there's a person in distress, uh, we could do the compressions, do all the things, and bring them back to life, back to consciousness, right? And, and, and although there's, there's no evidence that he ever sang staying alive, the, the, that's what Ezra, the, pro, the prophet, the priest Ezra was trying to do for the people of Israel as he, uh, as he wrote uh, his account of their history and what we have recorded in First and Second Chronicles. He's trying to, uh, in a sense, I guess, breathe new life into these people as they're starting over. They've been in exile, they've moved back to the, the promised land, and, uh, and he's writing a history of where they've been so they can learn lessons of where they need to go and how they need to live. Uh, here, here's a little context, uh, maybe catch everybody up. The books of First and Second Chronicles cover a, a 400-year time period called the Kingdom period uh, because from 1000 BC to 600 BC Israel was ruled by kings and Saul was the first king and he didn't do so well Ezra doesn't spend a whole lot of time on him in uh, in Chronicles uh, David came next and uh, he spends a lot of time on David uh, a couple weeks ago we saw uh, that that God asked David to uh, to build him an altar so David built him an altar but first he bought the uh, the 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 place where the altar was going to sit, and then he bought actually bought the whole farm where the the, the altar was going to be, and then he bought the the animals that were going to be the sacrifice for the. He said, "I will not offer to the Lord my God that which cost me nothing." And so, uh, uh, actually, Ezra spends a whole lot of time on on David's uh, reign and uh, who David was and how. It, and we, we learned a lot about uh, about David's relationship with God and the fact that uh, that. God relents when we repent. So that was a, a couple of weeks ago. A next in line was Solomon. And so last week we learned how Solomon's humility in surrendering to God and, and seeking wisdom above all else benefited his whole, uh, his whole nation. His posture was one of submission. Remember, we, we, uh, we, we talked even before he, he, he prayed, before God said uh, that he would make him the wisest person ever, uh, the wisest king ever, uh, Solomon's... Uh, Posture was one of submission and humility to God that, that, uh, that, that he offered all these sacrifices and, and in essence he's saying all I am is yours, all I have is yours and, and uh, so last week we, uh, we, we talked about that. Then in, in 2 Chronicles 10 through 13 tells the, uh, the, the, the story of Solomon's son Rehoboam. Rehoboam uh, did not catch his father's wisdom. Um, uh, among his many failures, when the people asked him to lower their taxes, he said, you know what, I'm not going to lower your taxes. In fact, I'm going to double your, I'm going to raise them up and it's going to be, you thought Solomon was a big deal, my dad was hard on you, I'm going to be even more. And, and, it, was, and it just it kind of imploded after that. And actually, uh, uh, from that point on, uh, it split the kingdom in two. And so we had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the, the ten tribes of the north, uh, were known as Israel, and the two tribes in the south were known as Judah. And so throughout its existence, 19 kings, over the course of time, 19 kings ruled the northern kingdom. Not a single one of them followed after God. 20 kings uh, ruled the southern kingdom of Judah, and uh, many of them at least attempted to, uh, to follow after God. Some uh, succeeded very well. And, and so Ezra, who's writing to these people coming back from exile, uh, these people who are starting over, he's looking to provide examples, positive examples, uh, to teach uplifting lessons, and so chronicles majors on the stories of the kings from the southern kingdom of Judah. Ezra is writing for revival. 
So after David and Solomon and Rehoboam, and then Rehoboam's son was was Abijah, and he became king. He only reigned for three years. We're going to skip over Abijah, and we're going into Abijah's son, Asa. I have no idea if I'm saying these names right, so just, you know, if, if you know, just... You know, forgiveness and grace is, is a good thing. But I think I'm saying Asa right, all right? So Asa was, uh, wasn't perfect, but he was one of the good guys. Second Chronicles 14, 15, and 16 are, uh, are the story of Asa. And we're going to learn about three major events during Asa's reign that, uh, that teach us three principles that are vital to experiencing revival in our own hearts and lives. Uh, this this series is all about revival, and uh, there's actually throughout Second Chronicles, we're already beginning to see several different times throughout Israel's history where they kind of strayed away from God, and then they came back to and were revived. and uh, And I, maybe we find ourselves as we're coming out of this pandem- pandemic and all the things that that have been associated with it. Maybe maybe you're just sensing this ugh, kind of I need some I need some new life breathed into me, or maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the pandemic but we just need to make sure that we're on track in our relationship with God because there's so many things that, that can distract us and draw us away from him. And, and I think that, that a lot of these, uh, today, there's so many things that we can learn that will help draw us back. There, there's really one major theme through, uh, through all of these uh, uh, lessons. So chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, we're going to learn three different lessons, but they all kind of uh, are summarized, by, and I'm going to give that to you now because I think you're going to see that they all, that they all fit into this, uh, uh, this, this kind of overarching theme that, uh, of Asa's life and of Asa's reign that Ezra pulls out. Uh, basically, it's said that, uh, this way, all that God has is strongly available to the person who is strongly available to God. All that God has is available to you if you are available to God. And, and we've got the word strongly, because it's God's strength and his power, his, his, uh, his, his divine nature is available to us if we are fully and completely committed to him. All that God has is strongly available to the person who is strongly available. You'll see this play out through Asa's reign as we, as we look at 2 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16 today. That, that is a great message for people who are starting over and it's, a, it, it's an amazing thing for us as, as we face whatever we face in our lives. Uh, all that God has is strongly available to the person who is strongly available to God. So in Second Chronicles 14, Ezra first teaches us the lesson of the route, R-O-U-T, route. Uh, around 900 BC, uh, the, the king of Cush uh, what we would call Ethiopia today. The king of Cush conquered the kingdom of Egypt, and uh, the country just north of Egypt was, uh, was Judah, uh, the southern kingdom of Israel, uh, young, uh, ruled by young king Asa. And so we read about that in Second Chronicles 14, beginning in verse 8. It says, Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large shields and with spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin, armed with small shields and with bows. All these were brave fighting men. Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands, and 300 chariots, and came as far as Merishah. Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the valley of uh, that place near Marishah. What we need to see here is that Asa is grossly outnumbered, right? So, so he's assembled the troops. Uh, you got the, 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 the enemy on the other side. They've all assembled up, and he does the best thing he could possibly do at that point. 
he prays. And we see beginning in verse 11. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and he said, Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let any mortals prevail against you. So the Lord routed the Cushites before Asa and before Judah, and the Cushites fled. Then Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. So, so Asa's overwhelmed. Uh, not much hope of, of winning this thing, let alone, er, it, not, not really much hope of surviving this thing. But, but, but when he prays, God routes the vast army and he saves the Israelite people. Now, you've probably never faced an army of thousands upon thousands, but you probably have felt overwhelmed before. Maybe today you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you've been discouraged before. In the face of whatever you're facing, you felt defeated. Ezra's telling us that that, if if there's ever a time to pray, that is the best time to pray. Because of this lesson, this lesson of the route, I'll give it to you now. Call on the Lord and he will fight for you. Call on the Lord and he will fight for you. You see, when we work, we get what we can do, but when we pray, we get what God can do. And God can do anything. So how many, how many blessings have we missed because we figured that we'd attack the problem ourselves instead of calling on the Lord and having him fight for us? I mean, there, there, there are things that we're going to face that, uh, that challenges in our lives as we walk out these doors, maybe things that are even, you're even wrestling with today and having trouble concentrating on, on the, the scripture because you, this is in the back of your mind and I've got to deal with that and, and I don't know what I'm going to do here. Uh, struggles on, on all sides, whether that's in your family or at work or financial issues or, or health, whatever it is, uh, when you call on the Lord, I don't know what the specific thing is you're dealing with today, but when you call on the Lord, he will fight for you. He will fight for you. You see how that lines up with the overall uh, theme here? Uh, all that God has is strongly available to the person who is strongly available to God. When, when we're available to him, when we call out to him, when, uh, when, when, when we uh, call on the Lord, it's his strength that fights for us. We've got to learn the lesson of the route. <laughs> Asa's uh, army, well really God, uh, through Asa's army, routed the enemy. And uh, through that we can see that as we call on God, he will fight for us. That's chapter 14. Chapter 15, we've got another huge lesson we can learn from, from Asa's life. Uh, the, the route's over. Asa and his men are returning home uh, with their, uh, to, their, to their families. And, and on the way, the Lord sends a prophet, a guy named Azariah, to, uh, to encourage him. And so in, in chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, Listen to me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Jumping down a few verses. As for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded the prophet, he took courage. 
What did he do? Well, he removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who had settled among them for large numbers had come over him, uh, over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So here's the picture, Asa, just the, the big route, it's all over, they're heading back home, God uh, asks Asa, in a sense, through this prophet to, uh, to, to make this even better. He called Asa to the next level, he, 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 he called him to seek him, to know him more and more, and that sur- uh, spurred Asa on to kind of go ballistic on, on all the things in the country that were not pleasing to God. During the reigns of his father and grandfather, the, the, the people had been worshiping other gods, and uh, there were altars and shrines and different things all over the country, and, and Asa said, we got to get rid of all that stuff. And, and so uh, he, 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 w- he knew that all that went against uh, the basic foundations of what it meant to follow God. I mean, one, one of the top ten, you shall have no other gods before me, right? And, uh, and, and so he tore down the shrines, he refurbished God's temple, and the people were so inspired by Asa's leadership that they flocked to Jerusalem for a great celebration. People from the, the northern tribes even started uh, uh, moving south just to be under Asa's leadership because they saw that God was, something was going on. And so verse 10 tells us that, that, uh, that it was late May or early June when they all kind of encountered or, or gathered in, uh, in Jerusalem. They're celebrating together. We know from the Israel's, uh, Israel's calendar that this would have been, uh, they were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. We just walked through Pentecost a few weeks ago. This was a, a, an Old Testament feast, uh, but, uh, but then uh, we, as, as we celebrate it today, it's also that feast when everyone was gathered that the Holy Spirit was given upon the church. But, but uh, back in these days, Leviticus 23 actually lines out uh, what needs to happen at Pentecost. The nation is to sacrifice a bull, seven lambs, and two rams, and that's, that's the part of the sacrifice, part of the celebration. These people are gathering from all over now in 2 Chronicles 15. And 2 Chronicles 15, 11 says that they're coming together and they're going to celebrate this. And they uh, sacrificed 700 cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats. Now by this time, I don't know, my thought goes to how much livestock is in this country because they just keep sacrificing all these things, right? But uh, it, it, it's this recurring theme uh, over and over. We've seen when, when David was asked to build an altar to the Lord, he, he went so much further than what he was asked and did so much more. When Solomon is seeking God's favor, he sacrificed so much more than what, what would have been expected. And when Asa and his people celebrated and sacrificed, they did a thousand times more than what was customary laid out in the law. I don't know, maybe this is just a, a side note, but I think we need to realize that when, when people love God deeply, they give to him lavishly. But we don't hold back from God. We don't see what we can get from God. It's all about how we can give, how we can be generous and, uh, and over, uh, overly abundant in our, in our worship. This chapter goes on to tell about that, that after all the sacrificing, the people made a covenant with God that they would follow God with all of their heart. And say, it was this, this revival that took place. We're going to follow after, we're going to get rid of all that, all that uh, idol worship and all that stuff, and we're going to follow after God. And so uh, verse 15, it says this, all Judah rejoiced about the oaths. They had made this covenant, this oath. Uh, they rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. And it makes me wonder, could it be that we don't experience closeness with God 
because we only seek him half-heartedly, not whole-hearted. I love the middle of verse 15 there. It says, they sought God eagerly. Was, was that the... Uh, is that what was happening in your house this morning as you got ready for church? You were seeking God eagerly or was it more like, oh, got to get to church today? Or would you get to get, well, we don't, we don't need to go there, I guess. But are you, are you eager to be in God's presence? Are you eager to be with God's people? Uh, revival doesn't happen to half-hearted people. I think so many times, myself included, I think God's people are just doing just enough. (laughs) Revival doesn't happen when we're just half-hearted. Verse 15 is just playing out what what the the prophet had told them when they were coming back from the big route, right? Uh, The prophet stopped him and said, hey, I've got some words for you. And and, uh, and in verse 2, he said, the Lord is with you when you're with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. And so verse 15 then, it says, they sought God eagerly. And what happened? Oh, it was true. It happened exactly as he said. He was found by them. That's the lesson of the revival. So we had the lesson of the route. Now the lesson of the revival. Seek the Lord and he will be found by you. Seek the Lord and he will be found. Remember, all that God has is strongly available to the person who's strongly available to God. So when you seek after him, you will find him. The lesson of the route, call on the Lord and he will fight for you. The lesson of the revival, seek the Lord and he will be found by you. We, we could stop right there, but, but, uh, but there's even more to learn. Uh, even Asa had some more to learn. And we'll see, maybe he wasn't quite open to learning it. But at the end of verse, uh, or chapter 15 says, there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. And then chapter 16 tells us what happened in year 36 that changed everything. Uh, it seems that Asa's fervor for the Lord had waned a bit over the years. And we, we, we then learn what we're going to call the lesson of the rebuke. Without reading it all, I'll just fill you in that the, the, the king in the northern kingdom, his name was Basha, and uh, he wanted to keep people from defecting to the southern kingdom, so he built up his defenses on the border in order to stop them, and, and Asa saw that and figured that, that something needed to be done about that, but, but uh, he didn't think he could maybe handle that alone. That, and we remember, and you know, we just talked about it in, in chapter 14, that, that when the Cushites came against Judah, Asa had turned to God and he prayed to him, and, and God helped him, and, and the whole route... And all the thing, but this time he didn't do that. This time Asa paid another country to help him defend uh, the, the the southern kingdom against the northern kingdom. And how did that turn out? Well, actually, it worked. Uh, uh, Basha withdrew his forces, and, and we'd love it if the next line simply said, "And Asa lived happily ever after, and and all was well." But that's not what happened. But uh, even though Basha withdrew his forces, God was not pleased, and He sent another prophet this time with a rebuke. Chapter 16, verse 7 says, at, this, at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
you have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. Asa had basically forgotten the first two lessons. Uh, If he just called on the Lord, God would have fought for him. If he had just sought the Lord, God would have been found by him. Instead, Asa was rebuked. He had done a foolish thing. And then comes, uh, we we just read it there, one of the greatest promises in all of scripture. Maybe you recognized it and maybe you didn't know it came from 2 Chronicles chapter 16. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of Lord, God is looking throughout the world to strengthen hearts that are fully committed to Him. God is looking for fully devoted followers. And when he finds them, he fortifies them. He strengthens them. Uh, That's the lesson of the rebuke. Commit to the Lord and he will fortify you. He will strengthen you. Commit to the Lord and he will fortify you. Revival comes to those who are fully committed to God. He wants to strengthen us. But he'll only give give his strength to those who are fully committed. So if God's eyes range across your life, what kind of heart is he going to find? Is he going to find a, 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 a heart that is only half-heartedly following or a heart that is fully committed? It's, it's that big lesson, once again, all that God has is strongly available to the person who is strongly available to God. All of God's resources, he's ready and willing to strengthen us, to fortify us, to fight for us, to be found by us. He's ready to go, he's just waiting for us to be fully committed, fully devoted. God wants to fight for us, but we have to call on him. We have to seek him wholehearted. We have to be fully committed to him. That's when spiritual revival comes. That's when, when, when we, we are operating in the realm of, of his spirit leading us how he wants us to, to be. So I, I don't know where you find yourself today, but, but it may be that you need to take some time to call on God today. Maybe it's been a while since you've sought him wholeheartedly. Maybe, maybe you just need to make that full commitment to him today in the face of the circumstances of your life. The, the challenge, uh, Ezra's challenge to us from Asa's life is that we, we, we can come to him and he'll fight for us. We, he, will, he will be found by us. He will fortify us as we commit our lives to him. Father God, we... We offer ourselves to you today. Lord, I, I pray that, that in these moments that, that we would not resist you, but that we can be eager, eager to encounter you today. Lord, we thank you for your love and grace, a, 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 a grace and a love and a kindness that welcomes us. And, and Lord, even when you have to do some hard things in our lives, you do that in ways that, that, that bring your grace and your love to, to accomplish new and wonderful things in us. So Lord, I pray that as we, as we allow your spirit to, to move across us today, that we can have ears to hear, eyes to see, exactly what you want to do. And I pray that, 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 that you would lead us to do what we need to so that we can be fully committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen.